Welcome to Life Happens, where Texans come to protect their legacy and prepare for the second half of life. Join your host, attorney Kim Hegwood with Hegwood Law Group and our weekly guest as we navigate the challenges that emerge as life happens. Now here's your host, Kim Hegwood. Good morning and welcome to Life Happens with me, Kim Hegwood, and our very special guest today, Laura Labry with Essential Hospice and Palliative Services. That's a mouthful. Yes, <laughs> so, it is. Good morning. Good morning. And, uh, Essential Hospice is one of our referral partners. So if you need a good hospice company, this is the one you want to call. So um, so we're going to talk today about all the things that the one thing that nobody wants to talk about, you know, and so and that's really kind of preparing for the, you know, the family for the end of life. And so and with hospice, hospice, there was a lot of misconceptions. I know I had a ton of them when my grandmother declined, you know, because uh, I laughed and told somebody, uh, you know, back then I thought hospice was going to come in and take care of her, you know, and I was like, yeah, that didn't happen. And so, yeah. and uh, so let's, let's talk a little bit about hospice and um, do, do they have to be home? Can they be in a facility? Where do they have? Uh, you can be anywhere. Um, you can be at your home. You can be at your family's home. You can be at a nursing home, a personal care home, uh, pretty much anywhere. Um, we can go anywhere to take care of you. Um so you don't have to be home and you don't have to be homebound. Um, a lot of people think that to use, it is the, uh, the rule kind of to be, to have home health, but it's not to have hospice. So if you have cancer or you have, um, gosh, anything that you can still move around and go travel and do what you want to do, you're more than welcome to do those things. Um, to be on hospice, you just have to have a terminal diagnosis, um, but you can definitely still leave your home and do things that you want to do. So with the terminal diagnosis, uh, mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be extremely imminent, right? Because I know no. that people have been on hospice for a good number of years. A long years. time, yes. Mm -hmm. So it has to be a terminal diagnosis, but it doesn't necessarily have to be, um, doesn't have to be imminent for sure. So if you've been given, um, I don't know, cancer, for instance, um, you can live a long time on cancer, with cancer, particularly if you... Um, some of the actual treatments for cancer, you know, lessen your life sometimes. So if you're not doing um, chemo, which is making you sick, or if you're not having to do, you know, go to the doctor back and forth every other day, a lot of that, just having some of that pressure off of you kind of makes things easier and you have more help in your home. Um, it makes things last a little longer most of the time. Um, I think I'd look at y'all as more of kind of helping that quality of life. You know, I, agree. Easy, I think that people things. use us many times at the end of life when they need to use us um, at end of life, but not at the very end. I think we're helpful in getting extra resources to you. We're extra. We're um, having somebody to come help you bathe your person or bring you supplies, um, provide all your uh, medical equipment, you know, a bed, oxygen, uh, a shower chair, just kind of simple things to help your quality of life. Um, the nurse comes out and checks you, uh, once or twice a week or every day, if you need to, um, we have, uh, the chaplain come, um, to help you pray or get through what's going on with you, help you make end of life arrangements, social worker for the same thing. Um, a lot of people are just perplexed by all the things that go into decisions at end of life. And, um, we're just there to help you guide, guide you through those, kind of give you options, tell you what's available to you and then let you decide. 
Okay, well, that's a new, some more new stuff for me because I did not realize <laughs> that y'all made all those kinds of referrals and things like oh, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so so we help to... make you know navigate. You know, does your person want to be cremated? Do they want funeral arrangements? Do they need help getting power of attorneys? Do they need help uh, with wills? You know, which is when we would contact you guys to help. Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, people have all these needs and they have no idea. I guess the broad spectrum of things because they have so much personal stuff going on, but all that has to be addressed at some point during the course, but that's what we're here for, here to help you with that. So how does a, a DNR come into play? Do you have to have one, not have one? What's the <laughs> so you don't have to have one. Um, we always try to get people to that point during their process, but not everybody gets there. Um, everybody kind of views the DNR as giving up and it's not really giving up. It's just, do you want us to um, do CPR? Do you want us to put a tube down if your person stops breathing? You know, if you have advanced cancer and there's nothing they can do for you, no matter what, you might not want that. But you also might not be ready to, you know, if you say that out loud or if you fill out that paper, it brings finality to that. And people just aren't ready for that. So it's not a requirement to come onto hospice to have the DNR. I do hope, and most people hope that you get to that point at the end, but not everybody does. Um, some people, you know, panic kind of at the last minute and just think that they have to do that. But, um, you know, so we like it. I think most people get there with the help and the, the resources available to them to look and see kind of what's involved in everything. And once they, once all that gets explained or they truly understand and after watching your loved ones suffer for a while or watching them decline, you know, most people make that decision, but it's absolutely not a requirement. Yeah, I went back and changed my DNRs to have them specifically make those choices. Yes. Do you want CPR? Do you want a breathing machine? Do you want a feeding right. tube? Do you want IV fluids? Mm -hmm. Do you want medications? Mm -hmm. Because I really wanted, you know, my clients to be very conscious of the kind of things they did want. Yes. You know, and so, and we would tell, you know, sign them. Go talk to your doctor. If you want to make any changes for free, we'll make changes to that DNR. Every Good. now and then a doctor will say, hey, would you just put this little thing in there for me? <laughs> you know? yeah. And so, but, and that's great. You know, I don't yeah. have any problem, you know, uh, doing that. And so, mm -hmm. and so for the most part, you know, a lot of people on hospice just continue to live in the home. Is that what you normally find? I do. Um, a lot of, most people want to die at home. Not everybody. Um, you know, some people go to the hospital and then once they get to the hospital, they say, okay, well, I don't want to die. I'm scared for my family to, for me to die at home. Um, or I'm nervous what they're going to feel like. But honestly, most people want to die at home. Um, they're more comfortable there. They have their things there. Um, even though we might bring in a hospital bed, we can move their exact sheets over to the hospital bed, tie them underneath, you know, use their, I don't know. It's just the comfort and the people being able to come and go like they normally would from their home. Um, you know, sisters, brothers, family members, dog, the dog can lay in the bed with you if you want. Um, it's very personal. And it, to me, it's just a much more relaxed environment, but everyone is different on that. So, um, you know, some people are not comfortable with people dying in their home. And I get that as well, uh, particularly if you have to continue to live there. But, you know, um, I don't know. Death is a very natural process. Sometimes it's easy. Sometimes it's not so easy. Um, but we're there to guide you through that whole process so that you're not alone. My grandmother had a favorite room in the house when they bought their last house. 
they uh, enclosed the patio. So it was all windows on the top, you know, yeah. she called it her sunroom, you know, and yeah. she had a couch out there and she loved that room. She mm -hmm. spent enormous amounts of time out there. She even had a little TV out there so that she could be in that room as much as possible. So yeah. when she declined, that's where she wanted to be was that room. So that's where we kept her. And um, so it made, made her feel better, you know, mm -hmm. and so, so I 100% I agree that having your things around you, all the family was in and out all the time, you know, so mm -hmm. uh, especially in this day and age, you want family in and out all the time. Right. So <laughs> yeah, it's better. <laughs> You know, yeah. so, um, you know, so there's no visiting yeah. hours, you know, people can be there holding your hand, um, have people lay in the bed with, you know, their mom or dad or sister, brother, wife. I mean, it's just, it's very, you get to die on your terms, you know, and it doesn't yeah. have to be in your bedroom, you know, I can, and I have a lot of people that I bring a hospital bed to, but they don't use it. They want to go back to their own bed. And this is yeah. about your journey, not mine. So, you know, yeah. if you want to lay in your bed and I can take care of you in your bed, then that's the way it happens. Yeah. So uh, I've heard, but not very often, that some people graduate from hospice, per se. They do. So they, <laughs> they come off of hospice, not from dying, but yep. they just, you know, they don't need it anymore. And how does that right. occur? So we have people that um, either get better because of the extra treatment um, or for whatever reason, I don't, God heals them. I don't know. Uh, they just get better. Uh, particularly your... Um, I don't know, your uh, heart failure patients sometimes, you know, uh, with the extra interventions, keeping the fluid off and keeping them moving around, things like that. Um, it just gets to where they get what's called extended prognosis. So um, they've had so much help that they're just better. They just aren't, they still have a terminal diagnosis, but they haven't gotten any worse. So I've had people be on service for almost two years. Um, and then, you know, they're just, they don't get worse. So we take them off and we refer them to home health. And some even don't even get referred there. They're fine at home with their families. So it happens kind of often, actually. <laughs> I would think oh, that our chaplain, good story. Our chaplain actually was on hospice. Um, he had cancer and he got much better. He works for us now, right, right now. <laughs> I would think though that too with you know with medicine where they might think you have a bad diagnosis but yet treatment works mm -hmm. you know so that you're able to you know to get better and so yes. and i think with modern medicine i think that's that's probably going to happen more as we've learned more things about you know what's you know causing this stuff and research and things like that and so absolutely um, I yeah. think a huge benefit to us is, I mean, to hospice in general is that we intervene quicker on things, you know, um, if in a lot of these repeated hospital stays and things like that cause people to decline, um, particularly the elderly and the people that have dementia, every time they go to the hospital, it just sends them into this tailspin of confusion and anxiety. So when people fall at home, we come out and we assess them and we can do x-rays in the home. Um, they can be evaluated in their home and they don't ever have to go back and forth to the hospital for all that. So um, I think it, it just helps a lot. Yeah. So how did you get into this particular area? I know you've been a nurse for a long time. How'd you end up in hospice? Sad story. Um, I was a labor and delivery nurse for 10 years. That's okay. Labor and delivery nurse for 10 years and my dad got cancer. Um, he got mesothelioma 
And my dad is one of the people that I actually have trouble with as a patient because he did not want hospice. He was just not having it. Um, he was very, very ill. And um, he went to every extraordinary measure that he could have done. Uh, but one day um, he got really ill and couldn't make that decision for himself anymore. So watching him die at the hospital um, was one of the most excruciating things I've ever had to do. And I decided that there just had to be a better way to do that. You know, once somebody tells you that there's nothing they can do for your family member, they should tell you your other options, you know, um, not dying in a hospital where only two people can be in the room when you have a family of 50 or something. Um, and just all the symptoms that weren't really managed, you know, watching someone struggle to breathe and the fevers, just kind of all the things that go along with it. And nobody in a hospital setting, you know, the nurses are busy. They're patient to patient. Um, just watching that and seeing that there had to be a better way to help families and to help the patient get through that process was why I got into hospice. Yeah, always, a you know, you find that when you change careers, it's usually for a reason. You yes. know, so there's usually something in I always tell people, you know, God has directed my practice. You know, he's put those things out there for me to go through to put me in the place that I am today. You know, absolutely. So, I know. love that, but I absolutely love this. This is near and dear to my heart. Awesome. And so, and uh, well, you want somebody that really likes what they're doing because it really makes a difference when it's you to have someone that's very passionate about what they do. And so, absolutely. I agree. So, and, uh, Tell our listeners how they find you. Uh, so you can contact our website, uh, clearlakehospice.com. Um, you can contact our uh, clinical liaison, which is Michaela at essential.com. Um, our phone number is 832-224-4756. Um, we have just an amazing staff of people and you will be happy and pleased with anybody that you contact there. Um, Hospice also can be done quickly um, if you decide today that you want hospice today and we can get the doctor's order and get you taken care of. I mean, it can be all done quickly, but um, I just I would tell everybody just don't be overwhelmed by the information that you're given. I always tell everybody to take a deep breath, take it all in and then just take it one step at a time. Um, if you're not convinced about hospice and you just want to talk, we can just talk. We can just get you through that until you're ready to make that decision. You don't have to sign anything or do anything and you can change your mind at any time. So that's awesome. And so thank you so much for, for coming on today and, you're so and welcome. giving some, for some more me. excellent information to our listeners and uh, you have a great weekend. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Life Happens with Kim Hegwood. Be sure to tune in every Thursday at 10 a.m. wherever you listen to your podcast as we navigate through the challenges that emerge as life happens. The content of this podcast does not establish an attorney-client relationship or constitute attorney-client privilege, legal, medical, financial, or any other professional advice.